Welcome to Geek Gab on the Books. Your host, Brian Niemeyer. BrianNiemeyer.com. With us today are three very special guests we're delighted to have on. First, we have El Jaji Lamplighter Wright, the author of the Unexpected Enlightenment of Rachel Griffin series and Prospero's Children series, which um, just went live again. Also, we have Dragon Award winner Nick Cole, author of The Red King, which is currently free, and also the Dragon Award winning Control Alt Revolt, which was just enrolled in Amazon Prime. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can also get that for free. And then with us, joining us from GeekGab Prime, we have the inestimable Daddy Warpig. Welcome to the show, folks. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Does this when I get to say something? It is. It's your turn. This, uh, this is when you go. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for providing the, the impetus, the conception for the show. So we, we are all glad to have Daddy Warpig here. And you also came up with today's show. So you know that better than I do. Why don't you go ahead since... Since we're the authors on this side of the table, you had a question about book marketing, I believe a specific one. So what was it that you gathered us here to talk about today, Daddy Warpig? Um, I was placed under an assignment to uh, gather some information and I realized that uh, my particular subject, none of it counted. And so I had to step back and think and come up with something else that would be almost like that, that would satisfy the requirement. What I came up with is this. I wanted to talk to authors, particularly successful authors. All of you who are writing and all of you who want to write should know this, that in today's world, you yourself are going to have to do a ton of your own publicity, even if you get signed to a contract at a publishing house. So. Since you're going to have to do it anyway, whether you're indie or whether you are signed to a contract, you need to learn how to publicize your book effectively. You need to learn how to spread the word of it because the success of a novel is determined typically in about the first week. The more people you can get to download and read your book in that first week, that's the difference between a novel that may go a little ways and then kind of sputter out or a novel that explodes. You can depend on word of mouth, but you have to have people willing to talk about your book. And if you aren't able to get, get people interested, aren't able to get them to buy your book in the first place, then no one's going to end up reading it in the long run. So what I wanted to do this show about in specific was I was wondering, people talk about book blog tours, and uh, I've never heard anyone talk about a book podcast tour, but I myself assumed that such a thing exists and might be effective, and I wanted to get the, the opinion of authors who have successfully marketed their works on book blog tours, book podcast tours, and on uh, publicizing your book in general to see what they thought. Okay. Excellent subject. 
and a concise summary, if I do say so myself. All right, well, let's put it to the panel. Anybody want to jump in? I defer to Joshi first. Well, I will I'll kind of work backwards and say that to date, using both the things that we have done privately and the things that uh, Tor did with John or I when we were, you know, when he, with his books or when I was with Tor, the most effective thing is Larry Korea book bombing a book. <laughs> Can confirm. And, uh, you know, I realize that, you know, you only has so much control over such a thing. But I think part of the success of it is, is Larry himself. But part of the success is that, is that there's other authors who get excited when he gets excited. So you often get a kind of across-the-board excitement of authors promoting a book. And that, I think, really helps when, you know, it's because it's then, well, we have a small following, you have a small following, they have a small following, but we get them all together. That's pretty effective. And I have seen some similar things uh, with Larry not personally involved, but when he is involved, it, it gets a big, a big push. That, that's a big help. Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, I, I had that experience with Larry. He was very kind on uh, Control Alt Revolt, and he, you know, got the ball the ball rolling on the controversy there, and and struck that. But you know, getting Larry Korea to do something organically or whatever, um, it's not an effective strategy for launching your book. That's that's Larry Korea is great, but he's not a strategy and. You know, it, it presupposes to, you know, like that you're going to lean on somebody. And again, okay, great. Larry Korea talks about your book, but Larry Korea has a very specific fan base. And you could probably, you know, I think we're probably going to reach a moment where authors of, of, of Larry's reach and things like that, they will, you know, as, as happens on Instagram or it's the Kardashian effect, they will boost your signal for a price. But that doesn't do anything if you write a certain type or specific type of fiction and it doesn't resonate with Larry's followers who, you know, are all people who are generally firearms interested, um, generally maybe lean to a, a right or libertarian persuasion, whatever qualifiers that you want to have in that. That's great. And you can build a great audience on that and you can have a good launch but it's not an effective strategy to do. Now, going back to the, the actual talk about doing a book blog or doing a podcast blog, when I was with HarperCollins, um, they, they wanted to publish a couple of my books and they came to me and they said, we're going to do a book blog tour for you. And so I did a book blog tour for them for, for both the Wasteland Saga and Soda Pop Soldier. And my feeling is that both were completely useless. Now, a podcast tour is different. There are a few podcasts that are really doing it well, just like this one, where, you know, it's, it's people who are enthusiastic and passionate about the subject. The danger for the average author is that if you are going to do a podcast, you need to sit down and watch Russell Crowe do Gladiator. And you need to always constantly be saying inside your head, are you not entertained? The burden of doing a podcast and the, the reason you, Brian, are great at it, Daddy Warpig is, you know, absolutely off the, the war, the, 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 the ability to be measured by his greatness in this podcast is that you must entertain. Now, 
that is very easy for an actor and a blowhard like myself who has constantly, you know, I have acting training, improv training. I know how to come out. I know how to speak effectively, enthusiastically. I know how to be concise, even though I'm running long in this answer. I know where I'm going in a conversation. But I have friends who host podcasts. Hank Garner's one of them. And I won't say that he's told me this, but other podcasters have told me this. Sometimes authors can be the event horizon of interesting when they're talking about their own book. If you don't know what an event horizon is, it's a black hole. The problem is, is that authors are highly internalized, highly cerebral, highly uh, internally engaged thinking people. And when you go on a podcast, you absolutely have to pop, be interesting and be able to communicate your book. So if you are that kind of author, then podcasts will work for you. The trick now is to schedule a series of podcasts to get on there. And it really helps if the host has read your book and they can be enthusiastic. And the book, again, connects with that core audience. Like I did a, a podcast for a Fallout Off the Record um, show, which is it was a podcast that's over now, but it was all about the game Fallout. Well, I'm a post-apocalyptic writer, so it was a natural lean-in. But if I would have been, say, Larry, Larry Korea, and I would have gone on that, much of the audience might not necessarily have been able to re relate because they're interested in nuclear weapons and mutants and all that kind of stuff. And even though you might think Larry is in the same genre, it's not enough. And so it might be a zero gain. It might be some gain. It might be negative. So the whole, you know, doing something to promote yourself and all that kind of stuff, there are nuances it, to it and you have to know how to ma master it and maximize it. At the end of the day, None of those things are working right now for people to sell books. It's great stuff to do, and it's fun. And for some authors, they might even feel like a minor celebrity getting to go on a podcast, but it's not. You know, It's a privilege to be able to come on this podcast and download my deranged thoughts to people and talk to them and have people listen and hopefully take one of the two free books I'm giving away today to may or maybe not read them and then maybe discover, oh, this is a writer I like, and then to go into the rest of my backlist and read that. That may happen, but those strategies are actually not working right now to sell books. Um, I have three. Go ahead. Um, I want to say one thing as far as signing up for a podcast. If you contact the podcast and they agree to have you come on the show and you're set up to be a guest on the show, whatever you do, don't forget about the show. Don't forget your schedule because for people who are involved in scheduling guests on podcasts, it can be a difficulty to expect the guest to come on and not for any reason. I mean, I've had guests come on Geek Gab who've said, I can't come on today because of very good reason. And those don't bother you. But when someone like contacts you a month beforehand and says, I'm releasing this book, I want to come on the show, you say, okay, you get everything set up. And then they just flake. They don't even send you an email or a text or anything saying, oh, by the way, I'm not coming on your show. They just forget about it. It makes it difficult to run your podcast. It makes it difficult. You have to scramble to get guests uh, to fill in the spot and or, you know, for the people involved to fill it in themselves. And that's kind of annoying and it's unprofessional and it's uh, inconsiderate. Um, so just a bit of, a bit of advice from my side of podcasting is if you're, if you, uh, get a date, be professional towards the podcast. If you have to cancel, let them know as soon as possible. Right. It's, and if, and if you are going to come on, 
be interesting and don't give yes or no answers. That is the death of an author when, you know, it, the, the podcaster is very politely, as you just put, they've put in the time and effort to arrange and it's very difficult to set up a podcast I mean, you've got to be technically, you've got to technically know what you're doing. And so when the podcaster has you on, they will ask you simple one sentence questions. And it is now the burden is on you to perform and give interesting answers beyond yes and no. Once you start saying yes and no, you're in podcast hell. I once had a, a date to be on the Declan Finn about a year ahead of time, but when it actually came, I had lost track of the time and forgotten, ever just didn't know what time it was. I thought it was earlier in the afternoon. He called me. I was able to do it over the phone. I didn't explain. I was in Home Depot when he called me. I just, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, yeah, sorry, I'm late. I carried on and talked to him all the drive home, but I still feel really embarrassed about that. Because normally I'm, you know, there on time and things like that. But you showed up. I showed up a little late, but I was there and I didn't. I did my my job. So, but yeah, no, I completely agree that it, it's important to stay on top of these things. I, uh, I did want to ask. I, I agree with what Nick said about book blogs. I also did some book blogs because they were recommended by my editor once. I also found. It, Basically, nothing comes of it. You know, occasionally, you connect somebody It did seem to me to be worth the amount of agony doing it. Doing it. I, mean, I think having a blog, having a regularly in a blog that you, you know, something like Superversive SF is a good thing. But just going to random other blogs and, and appearing there. I sometimes I got really good responses to my article, but I didn't see um, So if neither, if not going on a book blog tour nor going on a book podcast tour is necessarily working for authors right now, what kind of strategies would you suggest for new authors or first-time authors to get their stuff out there? The first thing that I would suggest is for people to understand the concept of platform and platform, you know, it's, it's this word that I think actually scares a lot of writers because you immediately think, Oh my gosh, not only do I have to write this book, but now I have to do all this other marketing website, social media stuff. But I like to break platform down into a very simple thing. All platform is your website, your blog, and also your social media presence. And what you do is you try to get all three of those interacting together um, for you to get your message out. That, that would be considered platform. And part of your website, too, is your email list. So there's really four features. Website, email, blog, um, your social media presence. Email lists, you know, like we all go back to the 90s or the early 2000s and we look at email lists and we say, oh my gosh, spam and everything like that. And for a while, email died. But what we found out after uh, Facebook started charging us to contact people or Twitter started being a bunch of jackbooted Nazis, that what we don't want to have happen is we don't want third parties to control our ability to interact with, with our readers. So as much as you don't sell, no one sells any books on Twitter. 
And especially if you're like us and you're right leaning and everything like that, Twitter's totally going to throttle you. At the same time, Facebook probably does the same thing too. But then Facebook has this thing where like, if you really do want to reach the people that read your book or like you, you're going to have to pay to do a post. So you're looking at, you know, doing like 90 to a hundred bucks to, to reach people. And even then it's not guaranteed. So what you try to do is you try to have an email list and you have email signups in the back of your book and you have email signups. And when you do a blog article, an email pops up and it says, hey, did you like that thing that Nick talked about today or that that satire he wrote making fun of Gersh Kunstman and his, his uh, desire to not be um, received PTSD from AK-47s? Did you like that? Well, you can sign up for Nick's email list and guess what? He'll give you a free book and he'll also give you a free novella three days later, which is what happens if you sign up for my email list. And then every so often when I release a book, I write everybody on the email list and they all get an email. I don't have to pay Facebook and I don't have to rely on whether I'm shadow banned on Twitter or not. So that is the first step. The second step that's running right now is Amazon. Okay, so back in the day, 2011, when Amazon broke out, there were a few of us that really hit it big accidentally. I was one of those people. Amanda Hawking was one of those people. John Locke was one of those people. Hugh Howey was one of those people. We sold a lot of books, but Amazon was doing all our marketing for us. The model at Amazon continually switches, but the way that I read the ground game right now at Amazon is that you will have to pay for advertising on Amazon to get your book in front of the audience. First off, you have to do a really great launch. And part of that launch is you got to get 25 reviews up on the day one. You got to get 100 reviews up within seven days. You've got to stick, you got to get sticky within the top 100 lists and you've got to have people going to their email list and your email list. You also have to buy advertising on BookBub, a few other sites that you can look up and you try to stagger that out over four days or you can stagger it out over eight days, having a good day, a low day, a good day, a low day, a good day, low day, up to eight days. But what you're trying to do is you're trying, you have to look at yourself as a flu virus and Amazon as a healthy person. And you have to infect Amazon with your flu virus, which is your book. And then it will begin to propagate it and, 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 and share it and also bots and get people out there. And you would think like, okay, I've got to do all that. I've got to build a platform. And then I've got to really do a great launch where I make Amazon sick with me. Okay, great. Those are the two and three things. There is a whole new grand game that's begun to develop in the last year. And it's really hitting its stride right now on Amazon. The writing one book, which is the kind of writer I am, I like to write one good solid book and walk away um, and give people a good time. Well, the people who are absolutely killing it right now on Amazon, the people who are making 30000 a month, $250,000 a month, or, you know, you have Bella Forest, who's probably at about a million point two a month. Those people are putting out tons of content every 30 to 60 to 90 days. And really 60 days is the optimal, but 30 days probably doesn't hurt you. And 90 days is the maximum do not exceed number. But if you write a book, if Brian Niemeyer, you write right now, if you, if you were actually publishing soul cycle right now, book one within 30 to 60 days, you need to hit with book two, 30 to 60 days after that, you need to hit with book three. Because of the Netflix binge nature of our society now, it is now an Amazon. So when you look at the people who are absolutely killing it, they're putting out books on that release schedule, and it's a serious commitment. So if you're looking to write your great 
you know, opus, if you're looking to write the books that we all know is the great science fiction books, especially if you go back to late 60s, early 70s, great sci-fi, Heinlein and everything like that. If you're looking to write the one-off tale, that's not resonating right now. What's resonating is you writing 10 books about a bunch of prepper, you know, prepper guys who are fighting off zombies, you know, or military space science fiction and cranking out a book every 60 days. If, if I can make a quick comment, um, for people who are writers who want to look into how to do that, I would first suggest looking up an article on Brian's own site called Pulp Speed. It discusses how to write at Pulp Speed because that's really what you need. And follow the links right. in that post and uh, take a look at that concept and how to do that. The other thing I would suggest is listening to our previous geek gab with author john mollison where we talk about how he wrote his first book which wasn't a huge novel it was five uh novelettes five twenty thousand world novelettes which you can get through fairly quickly and if you're not really up to releasing a hundred thousand or three hundred thousand words every 60 days because who is that's pretty insane writing a twenty thousand world novelette in 60 days on the other hand is very very doable and he's also doing it in a chain so that people who buy book two will go back and buy book one and that also magnifies your sales on amazon so look right at and if you got post, that yeah if you've got that episode if you've got that platform I go back a little bit and say when we were talking about blogs and and uh blog posts and and uh also uh podcasts the the uh the thing that we're not saying there is of course any podcast or blog that's directly related to your book like what nick said about the fallout that's really worth your time any, anytime you can reach something where you know that the people listening might be writing keeping with your area, I think that's worth it, even if you don't see it return right away, because uh, you, you were playing to an audience that you know would enjoy your book if they read it. You know, and so your chances, I think, are, are going to be good. So it's not like we're saying, oh, you know, authors, don't, 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 don't go do these things. You should go do these things if they seem like the right thing. But what we're saying is, kind of going by route and just contacting podcasts and blogs in general and trying to do something there doesn't, even if it's a big podcast or a big blog, if there isn't a connection back to what you're doing. Which brings me to speaking about our own blog. When, when Nick's talking about platforms, I think that having an interesting blog is definitely a real plus. Now, there's several... Uh, caveats at one point we were told that, that was what would sell books and that didn't turn out to be the case because of course it, a lot more people started blogging but if you have a blog like my husband's blog uh, john c Wright, when he blogs he speaks to very certain topics that appeal to a certain group of people and they tend to share them around so his readership slowly grows some of those people who really like his blog like his books, and some of them don't. Some of them just like the politics and the religion. But he does have, he has developed people who will really look for whatever book comes out because they've come to like him because of that. I, on the other hand, have had periods when my blog was really periods when it's not family and I don't have as much time for blogging. But I did notice that 
when I blogged about, I, I learned a lot, but I had a very small readership, and people who want to read about writing are not necessarily people who want to read about what I write about. So it's actually important to think about what audience are you trying to reach, and if you want to blogging, blog about something that they might like to read. Building up an audience that's not what you want to write. That's a great point. And we are now down to the last five minutes. So I'm going to take a couple of questions from the chat. So here's a good one. What's the best way to get invited on a podcast? I think uh, I, I, I generally um, will talk, will reach out to podcasters and um, I know them on social media. Uh, they, I think, I think, a lot of the times, if you write about, if you if you if you if your blog is interesting, and one of the the two nuances that I would add about blogging is that it has to be consistent, meaning you've got to do it on a fairly consistent basis, six days a week or you know two specific days, but you've really got to keep that up so that people come to depend on it. And then the second thing I would say to most writers is that blogging can be discouraging because writers want to go in and write. Um, big long posts and i don't think it was vox day who actually told me the first thing and then he told me the second thing which was keep it shorter you know just go in and and, and do some hot takes and then walk away don't write these big missives but if you're doing some really blog and interesting blog posts on publishing and on writing or specifically on the subjects that you're writing about um i think podcasters are often searching and surfing for information and it doesn't hurt to just run it by them and say hey i'd like to come on and and discuss this topic because as you guys know with podcasters you got to have something to talk about for the length of the show so if you prove to be a fairly knowledgeable person and interesting and engaging they'll probably want to have you on and talk um your the first way to get on a bl uh, blog uh, or excuse me, on a podcast, is to ask them if you can come on. And the second one is also, if someone asks you to come on, always say yes. Yes. Uh, unless you absolutely can't do it, always say yes. Build relationships with people. Okay. Agree. Solid advice. So, Judge, I know you're on a lot of podcasts, like Superversive. Uh, now, this one, how, how did you land a spot on those? I was superversive because a subversive literary movement was originally my idea. So when Jason started all the superversive SF and stuff, he just kind of brought me along as being a kind guy. But I think it's also John and I are kind of entertaining when we get talking. So we've been told that there's a couple of podcasts we've been on where the highest number of listeners have been the ones we've been on. So people invite us back. But I think it's kind of what Nick was saying, or what you were saying earlier. When you find someone who gives more than just a short answer, I've been told that they schedule these superversive ones around me because they're sure they won't have any dead air if I'm there. So. Right, so that, there you go, folks. Start a literary movement, and you'll get invited on podcasts. So Find a young literary movement and join it. I get in front of the parade. Right, and then finally, this one's for Nick. So Nick, what's your best book to read after Control-Alt-Revolt? Nick's vanished. Go to Pop Soldier. Yeah, that's what I would have said, too. Um, someone is asking uh, about the about 
the length of posts when uh, Vox Day says keep posts shorter, do hot takes and then walk away, they're asking like what kind of uh, what length would be good. The suggestion I dropped is about um, 200 to 300 words is fine. 400, 500 is is more than long enough to do a hot take and then walk away. You you don't have to put out an entire 900 word opinion column. That's Thank not you, right. Nick, you missed a question for you. Oh, okay. I am so sorry. Yeah, my phone dropped. Go ahead again, please. Okay. Somebody asked in the comments, what was your best book to read after con Control Revolt? Um, the best, I mean, the, the natural segue is to move right into Soda Pop Soldier, which is the sequel to Control-Alt-Revolt, even though it was written first. And that basically just picks up with the, the, the story after the meltdown and the corporate estate that the world has become and how video gaming is now um, a, a real-time profession. And I'm actually working on the sequel to that book now, which is tentatively not even called Soda Pop Soldier 2. That's just the working title. But I should have that out later this summer. And uh, Castilia House will be publishing that. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, please. And I actually wrote the publisher of Soda Pop Soldier, which was HarperCollins. They had the book priced ridiculously high at about 11 bucks, 12 bucks. So I actually just got it price lowered. Um, it was $3.99 for a little while. It's a little higher now. But it's definitely a lot of people. Um, this is just a statement I hear repeatedly. I know Ready Player One is a great book. A lot of people will tell me that Soda Pop Soldier is the book they wish Ready Player One would have been. So I'm not saying either is better. I liked Ready Player One, but they're similar, and I think you'll enjoy them. Now that's an elevator pitch. Uh, Jadji, what are you working on? Uh, I am just finished the awful truth about forgetting, which is just more of the Rachel Griffin uh, series, and it hopefully will be out in the next month or two. And I'm can you repeat that title one more time? You dropped out a little bit. Sorry, The Awful Truth About Forgetting. Oh, that's nice. That's clever. <laughs> and when uh, will that be out again? I, I had hoped June, but it might well be July by now because I'm waiting on people who haven't got back to me like cover artists and editors. I know what that's like. Um, one of the future shows you should do is about finding cover artists. Oh. That would be a topic. Especially since Danny Warp has helped me find mine. I went through a huge search before I found my cover artist, and I contacted and talked to some of the top cover artists out there, like people who want $3,000 a cover and stuff. And you know, and also talked to some really cheap people. And, and so, you know, I mean, I have looked into it quite a bit. I think it'd be a really interesting topic. Maybe we could even get an artist on if you did with a subject like that. And by the way, I had one tip that I had been given about blogs that I've never followed, but I wanted to pass on because it might be useful to somebody. And it was from someone who was like a really professional uh, blogger, not the kind of thing we do. But it was to find the people who are in the news who are similar. Let's say you're writing a book like me and uh, a, a J.K. Rowling movie came out, example would be. Okay. Yeah, with their websites and their top news is and put a lot of links in your articles to that and then your blog will come up really high on Google. And I have never actually bothered doing that, but I did want to pass it on in case I was looking for that kind of trick. Um, yeah, SEO is, is key. And uh, we are out of time, as a matter of fact. Did anyone have any final remarks? I loved being here. It was fun.
yeah, thank you so much. This is a great idea. And I, I hope you will continue doing it. I think it's a, there's a lot of things to say out there about books. Um, I just want to say thanks to Nick to Green come on, uh, to come on on very short notice, and I also want to say thanks to uh, for Brian for being open to uh, to my request for a topic. Well, I, you know, my my readers are the boss, so you know, I'm I'm here to serve your entertainment and enrichment needs. So yeah, thanks to all of our guests, Jaggy, Nick, Betty Warpig. Thanks to all the listeners. Be sure to check out the Unexpected Enlightenment and Prosperous Children series. Be sure to go over, pick up Red King. It's free, folks. Nick is a fantastic writer, dragon winner. We can vouch for him. No, you you are, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just putting it up here. Also... You guys are are also, you and Jaji are also fantastic, and, and I'm pretty sure that Daddy Warpig is becoming the premier blogger um, in blog space right now. And I even had a talk with a pretty big person. And, and um, they, they said, uh, Vox Day, they said um, they absolutely dug what he was doing and that that's probably the future. So pretty cool stuff. And I mean, you're probably the future. Go places. Um, you had an announcement? Yeah, I need to make a quick channel now. So just a reminder, folks, we do our Geek Gab show, the, the what did you call it, Geek Gab Prime? We do Geek Gab Prime uh, every Saturday, usually in the afternoon. Um, and you can, of course, find that at youtube.com slash geekgab or do a search for Geek Gab on SoundCloud, on um, Google Play, or on iTunes. The other last thing is, if you want to get announcements for when Geek Gab is going live, if you want to get announcements several days or a week beforehand, depending on when we schedule a show, so that you know, so you can show up and participate in the chat, please don't just click subscribe. Right next to the subscribe button is a little bell icon. Click on that. That's their super double secret subscription. And that's the only way you're going to get announcements about the channel. That's the only reason to subscribe, but you won't get it unless you do a super double secret subscribe. Also, um, I want to say that uh, Jaggy noticed Corey M, so he can he can relax. You're All fine, right. man. <laughs> All right. So yes, be sure to check out the awesome works by our awesome guests, and also the Soul Cycle by yours truly. Also edited by our super talented and lovely guest L. Jaggy Lamplighter Wright. You can Brian's find. Really, something interesting and, and mm-hmm. unusual and uh, worth reading out there. And yep, sold answer, dragon winner, just like control revolt. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, well, that is all the time we have. We're on the books. We will return next week. Hope to see you all there. Thank you. Thank you.